Go. <laughs> Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 154. Mate, I thought you might take ownership. Oh, I didn't know who was doing the intro. Sorry. Now, now you're <laughs> king of the cast. I reckon, <sighs> reckon you've done more shows than me this year. It feels weird to have you sitting here in person, to be perfectly honest. We are in studio, you might even say. Yeah, the quality is high. <laughs> the jokes are still <laughs> terrible. <laughs> quality of uh, audio and vision is high. Mm-hmm. Um, quality of chat yeah still terrible don't expect anything good staggering new (laughs) or important in this show actually Um, we've got a good show we do have a good show we do have a good show first of all we're brought to you by hoka used to be called hoka one one do you remember Mm -hmm. not Uh, anymore apparently no i used to call it hoka one 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 yeah now we're just hoka um and i've heard i'm looking on their website but it's not backing up the rumors that i heard but i did hear that they are putting carbon into my favorite shoe. Oh, Mac 5 Carbon. But it's a complete rumor at this point. But it's not, not been updated. Where did you hear it from? Uh, an uh, anonymous source. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. I, uh, <laughs> I took one shoe to... Ke- We're going to talk about Kenya in a minute, but first of all, we'll talk about Hoga. I took one shoe to run on what we call the red carpet, which is the, the trails of a 10 to run on the road and to run on the track. Can you guess which shoe it was? The Mac 5. Mac 5. Mac 5. Last year I only took one shoe and it was the Carbon X2. What? Okay, here's a good question then. So what, you've been back, you ran sort of the same places along the same terrain. What did you notice as a difference between running in Carbon and running in, let's call it a tempo shoe? Yeah. I thought about it a lot because it was, I noticed it a lot and I was chatting to Skinny about it a fair bit. Foot control. Okay. In what sense? My, the Mac 5 allows me to spread my foot a little more on landing. Okay. And it's definitely not as fast. The shoe isn't as fast, but because you have a higher amount of foot control, it's comfier and you're certainly on the trails you feel like you're getting a better ground contact and push off with that shoe on whereas with the carbon shoe i the only place i missed the carbon shoe was on was on the hills you actually noticeably feel um less push up on the hills with a Mm non-carbon um but even running around the track i knew i wasn't wearing a carbon shoe because you you obviously don't feel the stiffness that it brings but i didn't miss it And so what I... You said that before, you like to feel the control. Yeah. 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 So now I, I think the, the carbon shoe is still so nice to have in races because you kind of just focus more on your output and effort and less about your run, like I want to say run technique. You still need to focus on your run technique, but more when you're wearing a carbon shoe, like your body position, like hip position, head position. But it, the, it does a lot of the ground contact time work for you but when you're running in a non-carbon shoe or or at least a mach 5 i feel that you have to think about it more you have to use your lower leg more use your feet more which affects you up the chain as well and you actually feel like you're running more like a purest runner rather than relying on the shoe to do some of the work for you Mm. what are the guys that you're running with what are they running in skinny running uh like vapor flies don't tell on (laughs) 
<laughs> he ran a night vapor fly the whole thing. He did a couple of runs in his, uh, I don't know what they call them now. They're on booms. Oh, yeah. Boom those, echo. Yeah. Something like that. Boom echoes. Um, but yeah, he was in vapor flies. And then Marcus bought both the Mac 5 and the Carbon X3. But I think he ran more in the Mac 5 than the X3. Interesting, because he's got the he's got the trail carbons as well. <clears throat> yeah, that'd have been a good shoe. And then the guys there, I mean, the Kenyans. Full disclosure: I would like to have taken two shoes, but we working with eight kilos of hand luggage, mm-hmm. so I only took one pair and took another pair for relaxing, and and then took Burks, obviously, fully relaxed. <laughs> um, he took he took uh, Marcus took two pairs, but then the guys we we're running with, obviously. We're, we're running in Kenya, right? They are running in what they're given. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of them, a lot of the teams there are Adidas. Um, Kipchoge's team is Nike, right? But they're in a different village. So we don't see a lot of Nike there. You see a lot of Adidas. The, uh, what's their carbon one called? The, the Adios Pro or something. Yeah, they've got loads of Adidas them. Though, Adidas Pro. Yeah, not, the, not the like two years ahead version of the ones that we raced on to buy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that time. One time we wore them. Um, there's a couple of people who are running in like completely random sets of shoes that you're like, how the hell did you even get those? Like those Under Armour ones with the computer chip built in. <laughs> I used to have a pair of those. <laughs> Where did you even get those? Um, but main, the most popular one is the Adidas or uh, obviously the it's Asics a bit, team. Yeah, there's a big Asics club, right? Yeah, so they're wearing the, most of them are wearing the non-carbon Asics shoe and one of them, was wearing Hoka. Really? Just one? Mm-hmm. So they look at your shoes and do, do they pay much attention to what you're wearing? Are they that interested? Or because they're faster, do they not care? Um, they care, but I think they're looking at it from a, how much could I sell those to someone else's point of view? Like, obviously we're, we're like, our foot size is way bigger than them. So, um, yeah, on the second day, I actually had a chat with one of the young scholarship runners there. And he was telling me, He's like, oh, I like Hoka. Let me look. So I took my shoe off and gave it to him. And he just starts like slapping the bottom of the shoe. And he's like, oh yeah, really nice. And then he gave it back to me. And I thought, what has he learned from that? Like he's just slapping his hand with the shoe. So that's a bit strange. But then he told me, he's like, yeah, Hoka are nice, but nothing is better than the uh, Adidas Addy Zero. Okay. So I think because it's quite an Adidas run town mm-hmm. that they're pretty obsessed with the Adidas yeah. shoe. And I guess they look at records, right? And they look at who's winning races and what they're wearing. Yeah. And then I picked up, uh, there's a couple of people in Vaporflies, but I actually picked up skinny set of Vaporflies, which I don't think I've ever like inspected them. And on them it says, engineered for the world's best runner. And I was like, this is the problem with vapor flies. There you go. Because how many people run like the world's best runner? How many people are built like that? How many have got a tiny little narrow foot weigh, you know, 50 to 60 kilograms Mm. and have been running since they were three? Not many. (laughs) Not me, not you. Certainly not anyone I know that's wearing them. This is why the vapor fly takes so many injuries to its name. And it's not wrong. It's not Nike's fault. I mean, it's their fault for marketing it to the masses. But yeah, it's interesting. Now, do you, do you think, here's a question for you. Do you think that the shoe that Skinny was wearing and was running in 
is the same version as what they run in? Don't or know. do you think it's re-engineered for them? I, I think there's a, a version that goes out to the public and then there's a re-engineered. So you think that the version that goes out to the public is downgraded somewhat or it's made more mass market? So they, they alter it to suit more or the more generic running style? The, the top runners, the, the top, you know, your Kipchogis of the world, their shoe will be 100% custom. Mm-hmm. So the footbed in it, the width, like the shoe will be made around their foot. Yeah, like, like you do with ski boots, right? Yeah. yeah. Which obviously won't be the case for Vaporfly off the shelf. But yeah, engineered for the world best runner. There you go. And you don't like that? I think it's false marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a reminder we're brought to you by Hoka. <laughs> <laughs> engineered for the average Joe, just like you. Yeah. Please go and buy some Hoka. <laughs> I think they've changed their hashtag recently as well. Time, it's not time to fly anymore. It's fly, human, fly. Fly, human, fly. Mm. Ah. Yeah. So we are then eagerly awaiting, maybe, a, maybe. a Mac 5 Carbon. Imagine. Then it becomes the greatest shoe ever made. You'd be so, you're so excited. You can, you're shaking here thinking about it. <laughs> waiting, waiting. <laughs> and it's going to be horrible colours. If it was horrible colours, would you get it anyway? Yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> I mean, they haven't really made very nice ones, have they? You go for black and white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it was only fluoral yellow and orange. Yeah, I couldn't go with those. I had black or white option or orange, and I went black you and white. Dye them. Yeah. Dye them yourself. Mate, Shoot. you you podcasted last week. Mm. We had a, a guest lined up, but they full on confused you. Yeah, they confused me. Were there, weren't there. Came, emailed <laughs> me, got the timings wrong, and now I won't reply to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you chatted about things you wish you knew. Things I wish I knew when I started running. It was, um, yeah, it was good fun, actually. I got heckled from the sides because filming now in person, we're sitting in the office. Oh, yeah. Jess is looking at me now. We have an audience. We get heckled. We have hecklers. It feels like what it'd feel like to be a stand-up comedian. Um, yeah, nine things that I wish I knew when I started running. So if you did not listen to that show, go back and listen. I won't read them all out now because I don't want to. No. But <laughs> go and listen you, to the you show. you choose nine or is nine like the marketing number? Nine just, I actually had 10 written down, but nine slotted quite well. And then I uh, missed the 10th one when I, when I was recording because I was just talking on my own for 30 minutes. It's not easier. No, it's really hard. Full stitch up. Um, we're going to move on to Kenny Chat. But first of all, I want to ask, how are Marathon, 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 oh, Marathon, how are the Marathon Project people oh, looking, the Marathon Project people good. looking? It's all coming together. Tell us. It's all coming together. So our Marathon Project runners are on week seven of their journey to the Abu Dhabi Marathon. They are hitting their big training weeks now. So they've done, in fact, the introduction, we give them a nice soft start and we're now ramping up the volume these next two weeks are quite big weeks and then we've got a little deload week coming and then we've got another two building weeks or peak weeks if you like before we start to taper so we were running at the weekend we did uh some marathon paced efforts with some threshold efforts built into our long run and the guys had a whale of a time the next long run that we have our next group long run finishes you'll like this with some undulating hard trail Kenya inspired. Wow. Yes. In Dubai. In Dubai. It's a, it's a secret. I call it Area 51. <laughs> it's a secret place. 7K of it. 
Only you know where. That's it. So every week, though, they've been doing weekly strength. They've been doing weekly core work, weekly mobility work, and uh, four runs that have been obviously building in intensity and distance throughout the, the course of the project. And yeah, some people have started with finishing goals. Uh, they At the start of the project, they had just a goal to finish the marathon. And now that they've got into the project and they've they've hit the consistency if you like, that we've asked of them, they're now looking at really, really decent finishing times. So we've got quite a lot of the guys that just wanted to finish the marathon and now they want sub four, mm. which is, if you like, a coveted marathon time, isn't it? So we've got three guys now that are going for sub four. We've got one that is hovering around going for sub three. Um, and we have some guys that will, if they finish, they'll be absolutely delighted. So they're on course to finish that. Amazing. It's, yeah, it's a really happy bunch of people. Super positive, really optimistic, and really, really trusting. If, uh, so it's five weeks to go. Five weeks to go. What is, let's say for, for people listening who are also five weeks out, what's the highest priority training session of the week? For five weeks out, you need to be looking at your long weekend runs, I would say. And if you have, it depends, if you have a goal to finish, then getting that long weekend run in and building that up to 30, 35K is going to be key or even just a time goal if you are to finish. Or if you're looking at a time, hitting a goal time, you need to be spending quite a lot of time at that pace to get your body used to running at it. There's no point running at six minutes a K if you have to run five minutes a K in the marathon. So you should be comfortable running longer distances at that pace. Nothing's more specific than specificity. Exactly. Uh, you're not going to be <laughs> you're not going to be able to run a time if you're not training that time. And the next three weeks are really key because two weeks before the marathon, mm. you're you're chilling out anyway. That's it. There's, you know, if you're if you're not hitting paces now that you want to hit in the marathon, then you need to start rethinking your goals. Yeah. Dubai marathon. Sorry, I coughed there. Yes, divided to my marathon. It's, it's February announced. February twelfth. The website is live. As as always, the website is suitably sketchy looking. Nobody trusts it. <laughs> it's been the same design for the last six years, I think. Yeah, it's very dated, but it is open. That you can pay money, and there will be a marathon on February the twelfth. Now, marathons are like you you get excited for them, but that excitement has to spread out over a solid four, well, three to four months mm. in order to hit your best time for it. As it happens, there's another marathon project launching this there week. There is. I wonder where you're going with this. Like, what's he, what's he about to talk? <laughs> there is another marathon project. Tell us, mate, is it going to run the same as Abu Dhabi did? Are we calling it Project DXB, like the OG? Or are we going Marathon Project Dubai? Marathon Project Dubai. There we go. Yes. So Marathon Project Dubai. Applications... <coughs> oh my God. Applications are currently open. They close this Sunday. So if you listen to this podcast next week, it's too late. Sorry. Same idea. We will pick 10 runners who want to run Dubai Marathon. And they are committed. They're dedicated. They need this in their life. Maybe... They've run a marathon before. Maybe they're completely new. Maybe they have a goal time, whatever it might be. Everyone is completely different, has their own circumstances. But they're, if you like, they're one 
common trait is that they are driven to run the Dubai Marathon and they need some help. So we'll take on those runners and we'll train them up for 12 weeks to run Dubai Marathon. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for Abu Dhabi to see how people go because I've watched the work get put in. And this morning at track, mm. seeing the same people who showed up on week one still showing up, running a little bit more, running a little bit quicker. One of your your guys who's around the three-hour mark is he was running group one. Dion. Yes, he was. He actually dropped the guy he was running with as well. Yeah. Yes. And he was a couple of weeks ago, even back in group three or group two, right? Yep. So we're seeing improvements there. And just the, the general dedication to training and the way they fitted in with the community is, is brilliant to watch. And I'm really excited to see it again happening for Dubai. But you've got to get excited now. You do. Got to get excited now because what you're doing now lays the foundation to how much you can actually train in the key parts up to the marathon, mm. which is like between 10 and six weeks out. So the more you get your stuff together now, which is why 12 weeks is important. You're just going to spend three, four weeks getting yourself in a position to be able to train as best you can in the lead up to then be able to give it your best shot on race day. What would you say if you were to pick a perfect build up to start a marathon plan for you what would it look like trail running <laughs> why go run easy on the trails and you're getting yeah why trails are not road you're getting exposure to endurance obviously because you're mm-hmm. running but then you're also getting exposure to mixed terrain which helps with muscle recruitment it helps with learning to run with different stride patterns for different parts of the surface that you're on so when you get to a hill you obviously your stride shortens you run more on the ball of your foot running down a hill you're using different muscles and when you're running on the flat and then running on uneven terrain is making you use what i call your chassis a little bit different so you're getting more lateral um, stimulus making you use glute medius and adductors um, calf tibia anterior a little bit more than if you're running just on the road non-stop you also are getting a little bit of like a mental break before going in and running road miles, mm. which is pretty taxing on the body and also the brain. Especially quite a lot of people, maybe it's just, I don't know if that's this is worldwide or if maybe it's just an issue I see here. They like to run exactly the same place week on week. They never mix it up. And something that actually a lot of the guys said at the weekend was they loved running somewhere new. Mm. So they had the route planned for them. We were running, we were chatting, and two hours that we were running just absolutely cruised by. They were taking in new senses, seeing new houses. The route wasn't straight, so they couldn't see what was coming, and they didn't know what was coming. So it was all new and exciting for them. Yeah. Dopamine. Dopamine. Yeah, I think running, you know, this is why why we cross-train in, in off-season or, or why you can't be on an in-season plan all season round because it's not just about your physical... Um, response to that environment it's also your mental response to it as well and knowing you have 12 long runs on the road is a lot nicer than knowing you have unlimited long runs on the road and you're not sure when it's going to start or when it's going to end so that's why the project works so well I think because it's a dedicated 12 weeks but if you want to be preparing yourself up to a 12-week project and you have access to running off-road in different places different scenery then I would take it absolutely I have a question for you on failure. 
Let's say... Switch direction quickly there. <laughs> no, no, it's to do with running and marathon training and failure. Let's take a marathon runner. They are training for a marathon and they, they go out to hit a long run, maybe with some paces, and it's not easy. They find it really, really difficult, but ultimately they get their distance done. How can they see the benefit of that session or how do they know they haven't failed a session at what point have they failed i think then you need to know what the purpose of the session is so like you say if someone's running let's say a sub 330 right they then their paces need to be around five minutes per k yeah four yeah 450 to five minutes per k right if your goal is to run if you set down at the start of the 12 weeks and your goal is to run a sub 330 marathon and you're not hitting your training sessions in order for you to achieve that, then you're en route to failure. So then you either need to be realistic and look at it as whether you're going to continue down this road, which you know you're probably going to fail because you're not hitting the paces or whether you're going to change the goal in order to stop it from being a failure. So you almost can move the goalpost a little bit. Mm. If it's a case of, you want you don't want to move on your target and you're going out and you're not able to hit the paces but your coach who you're working with or your data from previous seasons or runs is telling you that it should be a realistic target then you need to look at other areas so how are you sleeping how are you fueling your runs how are you what's your mindset for the runs and then learn to win in those categories first and you're likely uh, much likelier to win in your training for it as well so using the failure as, as a bit of a kick up the ass, if you like, to look at other areas because you should be able to do it. It's just you're not giving your body, you're not let, allowing your body to get into the position in order to do it. At what, at what stage or when would you say it's too late? When's your, if you like, your cutoff time if you're not hitting paces that you want, do you reckon? Uh, like six weeks out, you should be, if you if you want to run, if you want to run a, you know, 42.2 Ks at, at five minutes per K pace at six weeks out, if you're not running at least 30 K thinking, yeah, this I can is, run at five minutes nice. per K. Yeah. Or you're doing like maybe uh, two back to back 10 Ks holding a marathon pace and it feels cruisy. You know, you're in a good position. If, if it's not, then I would say the, yeah, six week point is probably where you need to really sit down and figure out like, what is my A goal based on the training I have been doing? Because if you think to yourself, uh, I'll be fine on race day. You probably won't be. <laughs> you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I remember actually one of your Ironman sessions that we did. It was before the summer. Was it 5K or 10K? And then you sit down for 10 minutes, have a natter, and, or five minutes. Three by 10K, yeah. Three by 10K at race pace with a five minute sit down, and then you go again. Yeah. Come back, sit down, then go again three yeah. times. And that's very Ironman specific because the sit down makes your legs seize up a little bit. So you get the feeling of what it's like running off the bike. But a marathon, just a, a straight up marathon you don't sit down you either take a little light Hope, jogging hopefully break not. hopefully or you put it into a one like 30k it's not seeing my run. toilet stops <laughs> <laughs> i hear about your toilet stops far too much yeah true but yeah like that that marathon session so that's a key one and then i also for myself have a like an 18k tempo run where i can really feel whether that pace is but like towards the end of 18K, you know whether the pace has been too much for you or not. Because mm. you're thinking, okay, could I run this again? Yeah. And the and the three by 10K, the final 10K will tell you everything you need to know, whether you're in the right shape for it 
or not. Now, 18K, so if you're running a marathon at a goal pace and you can, if you do 18K, you should finish and it should be comfortably hard, right? You should finish, oh, yeah, I could want to and I can go again, not shit, that was tough. Yeah, like you should be able to run it again based on your fitness, not based on going to like a mental hurt locker place. Mm. Like the last 4K, you're going to the, you're going to put yourself in the bin. Like that comes down to your mindset training, but you should be able to get up to 38Ks of running, very comfortable, like aerobically happy, ready to stitch yourself up in the last four. How is someone going to tell the difference between whether they're physically suffering or whether they're mentally suffering and they can give more physically? Physically, like you're going to have some pain, maybe some pain in your legs, maybe your gait and stride has changed um, due to fatigue. Maybe you're feeling like bits of cramp coming on. Um, maybe you're feeling tension in one area that you don't normally feel. So if you run 10K easy, how does that feel? And does that same feeling, is it still, you're still running in the same kind of feeling and rhythm and stride at 30K that you were at 10? If not, then something is changing and something's fatiguing and you're responding to that. If it's mental, it's, you will be probably most likely uh, thinking of doubts in your mind. And I always say this to people like, Doubts are okay and negative thoughts are okay so long as you have an answer to them with something positive. And the minute you stop answering with something positive, then mentally you've cracked. Mm -hmm. This links, uh, the reason I asked that is because I read your blog that you wrote about your days in Kenya and you talked about day five, which was, how do you say this, Moibin Road? Moibin Road. Moibin. 18 case, <laughs> item back. Yeah. And you didn't want to run. No. You hated it. Yeah. But you kept running. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't that you were fit, well, you were physically probably quite destroyed, but it was <laughs> fully mental, right? Yeah. Because it, all the other runs, you're kind of, you're either with a group, you have a start time where you know you have to be there. But we were like, it was kind of like an open book. Mm. Like we were just, the three of us were going to run on uh, Moybin Road. And yeah, like straight up wasn't that excited for it. Because we weren't even running the whole road. The whole road's 21K to Moybin. And then... Uh, so a, like a long run there is like to there and back, which gives you like a marathon basically. Okay. Why so did we, you pick that road? It's a famous road there. Okay. So they do a lot of their quicker long runs on it. Um, but we were just going to run 9K down and 9K back. So I had to change around, like physically I was fine to run, but I was like, oh, my legs feel tight, you know, feel a bit sore. What I really want to do um, and then you, if you feel like that with a group run, you normally just slot into the group and mm. your, your mind gets taken up busy thinking about something else. But so I, what, what I did was just answered it with like, you know, you're in a, a really special place to run. That's number one. So don't, don't, uh, don't ignore that fact. And then secondly, like no secret that I've had a pretty shit year of running with Achilles and I'm actually in a position now where Achilles is behaving quite well and like, I don't want to run. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? But like, I can't always rely on that. So it's just a case of, okay, what do we want to get from this session? Be thankful that you're in a special place, being able to run, running on a road that some absolute, like Olympic, like Olympians have run on this road. Like champions are running on this road. There was a guy, Julian Wonders had run on that road the day, a couple of days before. He's the European record holder over 10K. And he ran out and back 40Ks at 317 per K <laughs> for 40K. 
Wow. And I can't get motivated to run <clears throat> 9K down and 9K back. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> and it's, the road's not, if you look at the picture that you have of the road, it's, it does look beautiful. But I imagine from the places that you run and the scenarios that you've been in the entire week before, perhaps it wasn't the most scenic of that week. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It wasn't. And the day before, I'd gone to track and like put myself like mentally used up quite a few matches to get through a, an 800 session which I absolutely loved but it's quite hard to back up intensity with intensity mm-hmm. but this is the beauty of 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 having a running week is like you can take the first 9k because we're there to run we have all the time in the world so it's like okay just run easy for 9k down and then use that time to help yourself get together your thoughts in order to then execute the second half of the session instead of just taking on your first negative thought and going, oh yeah, I believe that and I'll, and I'll take that. And what I've done, sat by the road and, and waited for the lads to finish, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, so it's like working your way through the mental pushback that you can get and that everyone gets. Like It's so normal to have as well. So just take your time, work your way through it, choose up a few things that maybe inspire you. For me, it was knowing the, the caliber of people who have run on that road who are chasing far bigger goals than than I was. Um, being in a position where I'm actually able to be to be running again and enjoy it, and then also making sure that I just let my, allow myself to build into it and then execute in the second half of the run. And, and straight up, if I'd got to the halfway turnaround and I still wasn't feeling good to to do the intervals, I'd have just jogged easy back or or grabbed the there's motorbikes flying around everywhere. You can just jump on the back of. Perfect. I mean, like, so that's a long run. The same, I suppose the same thing could happen like today at a speed session. So you have people, maybe they're, they're motivated when they wake up and they get to track and they're not feeling it and they get into the first rep and they go, oh, I don't know whether or not I'm going to hit my paces today, but they're still on track, 45 seconds rest, then you drop the effort again and they get into it. And as you see the session progress, I mean, standing watching people run today is interesting how many people came around and go, Oh, I hated that rep, and then the next rep would be oh, I felt good there, and it's mm. it's almost like a roller coaster of emotion they're going through on the track. But nobody really, or it's very rare that someone will stop and go mentally, I might, yeah, I'm done. I think that it's actually a better sign if you can stop and say to yourself, I'm just not in this, and then just call it call it a day. I think a lot of people in speed work they set themselves what they want to do, they go and do it. And then it suddenly gets hard and they're like, oh no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip this rep or I'm going to take a little bit extra. And it's like, well, then you're not getting the stimulus that we came here for. Mm. So you almost set yourself up to fail beforehand. So, but then, you know, the other way of looking at it is like, so that's exactly what I've just been saying is when that negative thought comes into your head, instead of acting upon it straight away, like do another rep and see how you feel. You know, your legs will soon tell you whether, when you're absolutely done. Mm-hmm. But if it's a mental thing, then it's about restraining, like getting your thoughts in order. <laughs> Same with anything, right? You, you, you just, you know, you're gonna get lunch in half an hour, but someone else walks in the room eating something, you immediately like, oh, I really want lunch now. Or you see an advertisement for whatever bad food, and you suddenly start craving it. Yeah, it's like, okay, have you got an answer strong enough to answer back to the craving that you're getting to say no? I want to feed my body good food not give in to the craving that i've just seen based through advertising that's all we're doing when we're running hard and 
and your brain wants to give up is it's advertising to itself that there's an easier option. It's choices. Yeah. So you choose whether or not you want to keep going. You have that choice. If you're not physically broken, then it's all mental and you have that choice to keep going. And yeah. Push through it. There was a scenario a few months ago where the, so the set, I can't remember what the session was. It, it could have been like 800 or something. And it's basically like the point of the session is to go to threshold and be working in your threshold zones which also requires threshold heart rate which as we know or anyone who knows who runs a lot it's not a nice place to be it hurts it hurts and it was like i think it's something like eight eight hundred or around that and i one of my guys stopped on like rep six i was like i just need two minutes and i was like okay then stop the session because now you're going to cool you're going to bring your heart rate down you've only got two reps left so we're not actually going to hit what we want to be hitting mm. and he's like yeah yeah but i want to feel you know i want to complete it i want to feel like i've done it and i'm like yeah but you haven't so call it a day mm. take the six reps you have that stimulus yeah you don't need two sub optimal reps bolted onto the end just to feed your ego yeah you can't have your cake and eat it too right and that's what it, what it was you you took the advertising bait of this is too hard relax you're going to feel better and now you want to go back but go back out and get the same stimulus from the session that you just bailed out of like no how did the conversation go got very pissed off and went and ran 400s i think <laughs> <laughs> and it was like well okay now you've done more like you know vo2 max speed session different and you've not resolved anything in your mind because you've you've had your cake and you've eaten it but that doesn't work like that the next time a hard threshold session comes around you're gonna have the same thoughts you're gonna have to deal with the same thing now that's that's very different though from something that happened today where somebody w dropped off the back of a group and you told them to run uh, different distance reps yeah yeah well today was today was hard mm -hmm. and that runner i know their goal and their goal requires them to continue to run yeah it doesn't require them to run at a hard threshold they'll build fitness from running at a threshold but you know it was a, a marathon project client right yeah when you're in their position who's got a completion goal sometimes a two-minute walk to just regather your thoughts is the right thing mm -hmm. and as long as you can then carry on running again after that two minutes you're in a position to complete your goal. But if the goal is for this person a few months ago was to run a hard 10K, maybe a half marathon at a pace, then you've missed it. Mm -hmm. So the, the out, outcome of it is different based on different goals. Perfect. Good. Tell us more about Kenya. You said you had a list of questions that you were going to scare me with. So. I, don't, I don't have a list of questions. I'm, I'm going to go with what I want to know. How do they plan their week? So we, we know that a blend of training stimulus is very, very important. Now, you've come back and everything, apart from what you decided, seemed to be very, very hard. <coughs> <laughs> I, I write this in the article. I would not do a 10 how we do it. Okay. Yeah. Like I would, but I wouldn't, if that makes sense. So I wouldn't ever give this to someone and be like, go and run like we did there. Um, but how we do it is how we feel we get the most out of the week. And I, as I say in the article, 
like Marcus and Skinny, both very capable athletes who can absorb, you know, a lot of training stimulus. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, and we all know our bodies well enough to know when when it's time to push and when it's time to relax. Their weeks, and we chatted a lot about this. Their weeks are very similar. So Tuesday there is always one one by twenty far leg. Okay. Every Tuesday, never changes. Always one one twenty. Always one one twenty. Okay. And Thursday is it goes one one thirty one week. Then it goes two one, I think twenty the next week, and then goes three one, twenty the week after. Then it goes back to one one thirty. So you're getting twenty, thirty, six, uh, twenty forty sixty minutes of effort. Yeah, the three one might actually be less. Might be like fifteen. Okay, but my my point is that rolls on a three weekly basis so tuesday's always the same and then thursday always rolls on a on a weekly on a three weekly basis but these are the the kind of 10 community sessions if you like mm-hmm. the the like the Essex group and the saint patrick's group they are separate to those so that you won't find those guys there because they're doing what their coach is setting out for them to do and that's all based on what race is coming up okay yeah so it's more specific to them it is but they also do use a lot of monotonous weeks if you like so they know that their long run is going to be on a i think it's on a thursday and it's probably going to go um 18 25 28 32 38 so when they start when they're six weeks out from their marathon or they're um out from their half marathon or 10k whatever they're training for they they probably know exactly what sessions they have coming up week on week and then it's basically because they are racing to win, they are doing it based off their form and they are professional full-time athletes. Mm-hmm. So there's no wake up and see how I feel. Like if you didn't sleep well to go execute that run that day, that's your fault. Like, why didn't you, you're a professional. Mm-hmm. So the coach won't go, okay, let's change it. The coach will, you'll either get spat out the back and you'll walk home or you won't do the session as optimal. And then you, it's your, you'll have to get yourself in order in order to execute on the next. And it's fairly session. ruthless, isn't it? Yeah, it's very ruthless. And they don't give a shit. Like I was running with two girls and, and one stopped to, to spew. And the other girl didn't even like, she didn't even look look to see where she was going. Did Not even crook of the head. To- not even a nudge of head to see. Just carried on running. Wow. Yeah. So I think, and we talked chat about this, like we don't use monotony enough in society because of everything about modern society, right? We, we get notifications, if you have them on, every five seconds. You're constantly dragging down on Instagram to see what's next. Uh, you know, you never want to re... You wouldn't watch a film and then re-watch it straight away again. You want to see what the next film is on. Although, do you remember when you were a kid, you could watch the same film back to back five times. Mm-hmm. Rerun the video and go again. Yeah. 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 But we're, we're now being programmed to always want something different. And I very interestingly had a client this week say to me why can't i do this session every week for four weeks so i can see the difference and i said you absolutely can like let's do it let's do it but i think as coaches we've got into a habit of constantly giving variety out because if we're not giving variety we feel like we're just giving the same thing week on week but we should be confident to know as coaches as long as we're putting in the correct session for that correct athlete at that correct time 
for their race, then it's okay. I would, let's say somebody sets themselves up a training week built with monotony. How do they measure their progress? I think it's even easier to measure progress with the same sessions, which is probably why a lot of the Kenyan runners do the same sessions. So they do it in the same location as well, don't they? They run yeah. the same track for each of the sessions that are comparable. Yeah, or it alternates week on week. Yeah. So you obviously your cost of the session, which is based down on heart rate and effort, perceived effort. Um, and if you're using a lactate meter, lactate, uh, you then are looking at your output for that given cost. So power, pace, run power, depending on what you're, you know, cycling, running, swimming, CSS. Um, so you're constantly looking at cost of on the body versus output from the body and then measuring that over time. So we have it when we use and a lot of our clients will know our benchmark sessions. Mm. So if you're looking at, let's say an aerobic session, like how much is your aerobic base improving? Let's say week one, you're running at five minutes per K and your heart rate is 130 and it decouples by 5%. Okay, you've, you've run your benchmark session aerobically, which means five minutes per K is an aerobic pace for you up to an hour. But then in week four, what would I expect to see? Well, ideally, we're looking at that percentage of decoupling getting closer to 0%. So you're running at five minutes per K for a, like a 128 heart rate. Mm-hmm that percentage of decoupling goes down to like 2%, then you've made an improvement in your aerobic. Visual way to think of that is imagine two graphs, one for pace, one for heart rate. And instead of the heart rate and pace lines separating, they stay like train tracks. The yeah. better they are to train tracks, so they are level, Yeah. then the more aerobic you are. Yeah, that decoupling is telling you, so if it's at 5%, your second half of that run cost you 5% more than the first half. Mm-hmm. And what we want is that cost to be minimal when you're running aerobically. So if you can get it down more to like 2% or 1%, then the second half of that run costs you only 1% or 2% more than the first half, which means that you're going to be able to run longer, more aerobically. If we're looking at like a, a VO2 max session, you can do it based purely off speed. Mm-hmm. So are you hitting? are you able to hit the paces again and again. So maybe week one, you can do, let's take a, let's take a 12 by 400 session. Early on, you're hitting paces and then it gets harder towards the end. And you might see paces drop by one or two seconds. When you're four weeks in and you're fitter, can your, can your paces stay flat throughout or even improve towards the end? Yeah. Or similarly, your paces remain the same but your heart rate doesn't drift as much doesn't drift as much or it goes up but you recover quicker in your rest periods yeah so if you can drop your heart rate lower in your rest periods then you're actually showing good signs of fitness this is why people that pause their watch for rest periods really uh, bugs me because you can't see not allowed. what the heart rate <laughs> not allowed. You can't see what the heart rate's doing yeah yeah exactly um if we're looking at you know who you are another way for long runs would be um if you're not using heart rate let's say you're not using pace data, let's say you're just going to go run without your watch and yeah. you want to know whether you're improving or not. It's simply a, a feeling. Like, and how smoked are you the next day? How much, so these guys are, quite a lot of them are professional runners, but quite a lot of them are trying to make their way into professional running. Yeah. How much 
I mean, from the videos and the photos and things you put up, it seems like it's all jolly and it's very, it's a lot of fun and it doesn't seem to be much concern for the data. But how much is there actually placed on it outside of the runs? Are the guys looking at the data? Are they talking about it? Are they discussing it? No, not that I see. And the coaches certainly don't sit there with their laptops open looking at it either. I think there's a very big emphasis on the athlete speaking to the coach post-session how they felt, you know, how did it look? Um, and I think maybe they, they get together more in the afternoon and not certainly didn't see it when we were there mm-hmm. um, and, and chat about it. <clears throat> but it comes back to them, the athlete knowing themselves what they need to be hitting and running in order to, to achieve the paces they want to. So the athlete probably knows straight away. He doesn't need the coach to tell him. Um, but they certainly <laughs> aren't sat there with their phones open looking at training peaks or anything no. like that. And <laughs> no. they don't, they're not even chatting about and I wrote this they're they're not comparing anything to do with like training race times or anything like that they're they are basing their success of running off the races and they they know they can't control the race times they can only control their training towards that race and if they execute on the day then great and if they don't they move on very quickly past it that's interesting there's none of this like no like air of you need to respect me because I ran this it's what are they working to next and what do they want to run? Mm-hmm. So like there might be a guy there running a 212 marathon. He, he doesn't care. He wants to run 210. Mm-hmm. Do they do much post-race reflection? Do they talk about previous races and what went wrong or what they do differently? Because if it's monotonous and the training is very, very similar, then what they do differently is kind of already set in stone. Mm, good point. I don't know. I didn't hear it. I don't speak Swahili, so... <laughs> <laughs> I know Mambo Freshy and uh, Asante. Uh, but no, because they they don't base their value off it. Mm. That's interesting. Whereas we, a lot of us base value off, like how many times do we hear, I ran a three-hour marathon in 2019 and this year I want to run yeah, 250. People become really emotionally attached. But do you think that's because it's a hobby and we become attached to our hobby? It's almost... It's our sense of identity outside yes. of work, perhaps. Whereas for these guys, it's their livelihood. We're basing our value off, off time. numbers. And it, and it comes back to the podcast we did with Sam two weeks ago. Mm. It's like you based your identity off being a runner and then that's taken away from you and you actually don't know what your identity is. Yeah. And like, why are we calling a personal best your best time when it could be based on a, a feeling? Yeah. I've said this before to many of my clients. It's like the biggest success here is you get to the start line with your family happy, with you happy, with you healthy, with you having worked through a process of where you've learned a ton that you can carry over into your work life, into your family life, into your personal life, then the race will just happen. But the process of it is what's really important. Mm. Yeah. I had a chat with a guy about this who's taking on a hundred miler soon. And we talked about, physically he's in great shape, but he is really, really struggling with hitting hard back-to-back long sessions that are well shorter than what he's going to have to put himself through on race day. And like, it's not physical. You're putting this so much mental pressure on yourself to try and hit a pace, a pace number that you think you need to perform when you're not, you're not thinking or disconnecting from the actual reason why you want to do this race in the first place, which is to get out into the mountains and enjoy being there for a day and a half. Yeah. And once he had that in his head, if that, that emotional 
disconnect from the the metric of performance, if you like, or re rewrote what performance was in his head. He went out and had a fantastic weekend last time. Yeah, yeah. And then the other part that's interesting, I had a chat with a guy there. He, I asked him, I said, mate, do you look at these people and are you like, oh, I'm going to race him today? And he goes, no, I only look at the person in front of me. And as long as I am with that person in front of me, I know I'm getting better. And then I heard something else actually on a, a documentary on the plane, um, you know, Ranulph Fiennes, mm-hmm. explorer. Yeah. He said that he, when he gets into a position where he thinks is thinking of stopping, he just thinks what's the next 10 meters. So when he was trekking to the North pole, carrying his everything, everything <laughs> sled, he never thought, Oh my God, it's such a long way. He just said, what can I do to make it the next 10 meters? Mm. And I, I thought, wow, that's what the, that's what this Kenyan boy was doing. It's just thinking, what can I do to stay with the bloke in front of me? Mm. Whether he's in 50th place or he's at the front, that doesn't, that's irrelevant to him. It's what is he doing to be with the person in front? That's all he cares about. Not the front, just in front of him. Mm-hmm. So it's not what are you doing to make the finish line, it's what are you doing to make the next 10 meters. Which kind of comes back to what you said about those track sessions where it's not about necessarily doing the whole session, it's about how do I feel on this next rep, I will complete this next 100 meters, this next interval, this next whatever it might be. You've quit because you had two reps to go and you couldn't see yourself going through them. Yeah. But you should have just seen yourself finishing this rep and then taking on the next rep and then finishing that rep and then taking on the last rep and before you know it, it would have been done. There you go. If you've got breath for excuses, you've got breath for running. <laughs> Did someone say that or have you made that up? That's what I tell people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. How long have we been going? 49 minutes. One more question I have for you then. Okay. Now, we know that strength training for runners is very, very important. You said that actually I have two questions but this is the first one you said that the the strength training that you saw or witnessed was very very rudimentary and didn't really consist of much yeah so why are we trying to create all these fancy training plans training strength programs and there's lots of debate about what needs to be done but then these guys are performing when they have nothing I mean there's so many different parts to that so so many questions there (laughs) like answers right like when you're around these guys, we we are almost different species. Yeah. Like we have muscle mass, we have different postures, we have different lifestyles, we move differently. There's, there's so it's such different context. And I actually spoke to someone about this because they were like, we're doing strength training all wrong. And I was like, I disagree because mainly in the running world and certainly Run Strong, the strength program that, I develop for runners. Okay, it's there to make you a better runner, but it's actually cancelling out a lot of the problems created through modern day life. Which these guys don't have. Which these guys don't have. Got it. So sitting, um, working at a desk, driving, wearing, you know, mental footwear that weakens our feet. Um, that's what strength training is done to improve them. Now these guys they are from a very young age walking around barefoot. They're mm-hmm. walking up hills on even surface, sleeping on, if at all they have a bed or a very hard floor. They're not sat down a lot. Um, they are obviously running <laughs> from a very young age. So 
they're not learning to run. You don't have to train their movement patterns because their movement patterns are already embedded to try and change. Even if the Kenyan runs like an absolute, you know, I won't say the M word I was going to. <laughs> if they're running like a, a baby elephant, but they're fast, you wouldn't then go in and say, we need to change your run style. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, why? I can run a 208 like this. Obviously, they're doing something right. I'm fine. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> like the cost of changing a run style might be three years, in which case you've lost that fitness window. So, but whereas someone comes to us and they've been running for a few years and they're, you know, they're not running in a, the best technique they could be, it's worth taking six months to redevelop their run technique in order to help them run longer for more, you know, run in a more longevity um, situation mm. rather than thinking of, well, you're fast, so you'll be fine. Like, okay, you're not fast and you're running poorly. Let's change your running style and help you from there. And we can use strength training to help do that as well. So what they're doing in strength training, and the other thing is on a strength, on an absolute strength point of view, they're very, very weak. Okay. So if we gave them like half the stuff we did, it would break them because they're not built for strength training. They're built for running. Okay. So the stuff they are doing has a similar stimulus to what we are doing with people. It's just that we're working on almost two different species. Yeah. Body. Just like their, their training sessions for them had a very different stimulus to what you were feeling. Yeah. 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 And there was some stuff in there that was more about rhythm and timing and like you would call it probably plyometrics. I think it would, would be classed as plyometrics work that me and Skinny and, and Marcus struggled with, but they, they were obviously fine with it. And then it came to like a, a leg press with a tire and we were like, that was easy. And they're like, oh my God, it's really hard. But, and we only did 10 reps. That was it. That was it. There's no sets. It's just 10 reps. Done. Done. Interesting. Yeah. And I said to the Skinny and Marcus, like, I wonder if coach knows that he's just kind of given them a stimulus in order to run better up the hills next day. And they were like, no, I think he's just seen a video on YouTube and they're doing it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure. Um, Just take, take a box so they can say they're doing it, almost. Yeah, I, I think they know strength training works. but So do you reckon most of it's placebo? <sighs> don't know. Good question. I think most of it's rhythm, timing, and a way of them moving. It's almost... Like body, body awareness almost body awareness but they're already very aware of their bodies mm. it's almost cross training interesting okay last question then <laughs> boss has come in and is smashing some sort of oh there we go <laughs> you put in your article that these guys run beautifully but they walk not so beautifully not the walking yeah. is horrendous yeah what's that about I don't know if they got kicked by a cow when they were young or something. <laughs> They're walking, walking with a limp. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were at the track session and I, like an absolute weirdo, I just sat at the end of the track, literally sat at the end of the track watching them walk. And uh, one of the girls, she must have been running reps, like 1K reps at like maybe 3 or 5, 310 pace, right? Fast. And then she'd stop and she'd limp down the end of the track and her left foot was completely pronating not supinating, it was just completely pronating, knee was caving in, and then she'd jog back down, ready to run the next rep, and she'd run it beautifully. And like, the lads, they finish the rep, they turn around, they hobble down, and they're wearing like, big carbon shoes, so their foot control's terrible, then, again, 
pronating, twisted at the hips. And they get to the next rep and they were running 1Ks at 245. How or why or what? Any thoughts on that? I guess it's comes back to what we were saying way earlier is like they run. So they're designed for running. They actually probably run more than they walk. Because they run to the session. Yep. They run the session and, and then they run home. Then, then they get home and they just lie down. They, you wouldn't see them walking into town. I mean, there's not really any shops there anyway, but like if they want, their food is grown in the, in the back garden or everything's got for them or they live in a camp where food is bought to them. So they're not actually walking around anyway. And then I guess just through being brought up in the kind of place that they, they get injuries from time to time and they don't go and get a scan to see what, what's injured. They just rest for two months. One guy's like, yeah, I've been resting for two months because I had an Achilles problem and now I'm back. And you're like, do you know what it was? Did you? No, <laughs> of course not. There's no, there's like they have physio places there, but no one's going and they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So they just pick up these things and, but because they run more than they walk, they become more efficient and more uh, symmetrical running than, um, than walking. And, and is that the difference between the best and, and those guys? I don't know. Like to run a very fast marathon, you, if you think about it, your final 10K of a marathon, if you want to go under 210, needs to be down towards the 30 minute mark. <laughs> so it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a very rare human that gets there. So there's probably a whole other chunk of people and there is right the population of, of Kenya, if we're talking about Kenya itself or any other running population that have picked up an injury and it has made the problem for them and they haven't been able to continue to run. But in this select group, a lot of them had um, asymmetrical walking gates that they managed to make symmetrical when they run. And maybe that's why they're the best in the world. Super interesting. wonder... Maybe something we could pitch to Shane Benzi when he comes back. See what he thinks on that. Ten, tensegrity. Ten, tensegrity. 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 That's all he'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, that is 58 minutes. I think it's plenty. And Shane, there's no way you listened, but they were doing drills, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no strength work, but drills. Drills. Yeah. Good. That's it. Done. I feel like I need to ask you a question, but I don't really have one. No. Until I'll, hit, I'll hit stop before we get a chance anyway. <laughs> We will be back next week. Yes. And don't forget, Dubai Marathon Project is on if you want to apply. Before the end of this week, send in your email, rj at innerfight.com. And if you don't want to apply, but you have a friend, relative, mother, father, work colleague, whoever, you think maybe they want to run a marathon, they're always at the water cooler saying, oh, I'm going to run a marathon. I'll do it with you next year. Sign them up. Call them out on it. Call them out. Send me their phone number and I'll call them. Even better. Even better. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Done.